Mark 10, 14 says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That's NIV. ESV says indignant. New Living Translation says, when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children or belongs to such as these. Welcome everyone to podcast number 153, Renew Your Mind. With us today, we have Senior Pastor Paul Gruenberg. We have Associate Pastor Jeremy Teroux. We have our Contemporary Music Leader, uh, Jordan Kettlewell, and myself, Dana Hall, is the moderator. And we've been talking about the topic of anger. And um, this podcast, we wanted to talk about, can anger be good or righteous? And um, I think we want to give some examples of this, so I'll throw it out to the group. Can anger be good or righteous at times? Go ahead, Jeremy. I I was going to say, I think we have to say yes to that, Mm -hmm. given the fact that Jesus was described as angry in Scripture on more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. Jesus never sinned. Everything Jesus did was perfectly righteous and good and holy. So I think we have to say yes. Yeah. If he was angry, then yes, there must be a form of anger that's righteous. Okay. Yeah. And it would it would have to line up with the law, right? The law is what makes us righteous, but the law also shows we cannot be lo- righteous on our own. So it mm-hmm. would have to be within the bounds that God gave um, the people to live in as far as the law goes. And that's what you mean when you say the law, just to clarify to our listeners the law is what God gave us to live by. Right. So that would be the Ten Commandments and, mm-hmm. and some of the other laws that God gave us to live by. Okay. So in that then, uh, Jeremy brought up a couple of podcasts ago that God, um, when we look at the righteousness of God, now remember, God is pure and holy. And Adam and Eve were in a right relationship with them until they sinned until they disobeyed God. And then that opened the door up. And then Jordan has mentioned uh, briefly how the evil one, the devil, doesn't want us to worship God. And the devil's ultimate ploy is for us to worship him. That was the reason the devil was cast out of heaven or Lucifer was cast out of heaven. And he's just a complete liar. His, His main Um, desire is to get us away from God. So whether we worship the devil or not, that's not his intent. His intent is to get us away from the worship of God, to get us away from being in a right relationship with God. So what does the devil do? He uses our own desires against us to cause and stir stir up in us unrighteous anger Mm -hmm. in that sense. There, how many people are angry at God and refuse to come to a church to worship? A lot. There are a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of those moments where I believe the devil is getting uh, ahead in regard to keeping people from God. Yeah, I think um, I've heard, actually, this came from from Reverend Nail many years ago. I still remember him talking about this, that... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are perhaps more people that are angry at God than actual atheists who don't believe there is a God. Mm. There may be more people that hmm. 
are just angry, angry. at him. Yeah. Yeah. So when we when we think back in terms of where God was righteously angry in the Old Testament, let's just start there. So the first thing would be, and I think you mentioned Jeremy the flood. Yeah, we were discussing at that point in human history that uh, God viewed all of humanity as he said their the thoughts of intent and intents of their hearts were only wicked all the time other than Noah and his family of course mm-hmm. and so we you know with that level of wickedness I think we can draw the assumption that um, anger and hostility was probably a big part of mm-hmm. what they were living in right and so God then being righteous started over with Noah mm-hmm. and that's the story of the flood then the next time in scripture that we see where God is righteously angry would be after Abraham and Lot get into the promised land. Abraham and Lot separate. Lot gets the fertile valley. Abraham gets the more mountainous areas for his uh, flocks and stuff. But in the area that Lot settles is Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you recall Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a a community that they did bad things. And when we believe it's the incarnation of Jesus that, uh, and two angels that were with Jesus that encountered Abraham, and Abraham provided food for them, and then they were on the way to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it. And Abraham says, and this is the boldness of Abraham, right? This is the righteous boldness of Abraham. But if there are 50 people down there that are righteous, would you not do it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I won't do it for 50, God says. Then he goes down 45, 40, you know, <laughs> just down this road. And what was the last number? I think it ends up at 10. And God says, yeah, if there's 10, I won't do it. So the but- three angels or the two angels and Jesus go down there. There aren't even 10. There are only four, and that's Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And one of the aspects historically of a a community was there was a town square, and in that town square, hospitality was supposed to be offered. So if you lived in town and you came uh, to the town square and, and there was somebody coming through and they were resting, you were to offer hospitality. You would even open up your home uh, for them to stay the night, and then they could be on their way the next day. Um, but that didn't ex- that's not the kind of hospitality that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it goes back to that evil intent of the heart, wickedness all the time. And Sodom and Gomorrah had, had somehow reached that level in God's eyes. And that's also an example for us today. You know, that's not just a story of something that happened. God ensured that that gets included in our Old Testament so that we understand God is righteous and there's a level of right there's a level that we can get to where we're no longer it's it's not even being in God's favor. Mm-hmm. It's God's like he's angry. <laughs> he's angry, mm-hmm. but he sees no redemptive quality mm. uh, remaining in the person. Um, because if we go back to the flood, the wit where there was wicked int- intent of the heart all the time, 
God saw no redemptive quality in the people who were in the world at that time, except for in Noah and his family. That's a far place to get to Mm -hmm. when there is no redemptive quality, when God says that that there's nowhere to go with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a scary place to be because we see Jesus in the New Testament saying, you know, but God's grace and mercy, man, you can go down to the depths, but God will pull you up or Mm -hmm. will draw you up if you turn your eyes toward heaven Mm -hmm. or if you turn your eyes to God. Yeah. The thing is that, um, and that's true, and he, God is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to eternal life. But at some point, your time runs out. That's right. He, he doesn't. He's not going to wait forever for every mm-hmm. person. And, well, uh, and I think yeah. it's not even waiting forever. He just sees there's no redemptive. Yeah, it's qualities left. Yep, and and if you so, can even imagine that time, because like, if you think about the the time we're in now and how. Uh, just how just insane kind of culture has become and, and, and what is considered acceptable and virtuous and good mm-hmm. um, now would have been considered uh, horrific to evil years ago, right? So we're in a weird time. That was even worse, mm. like in Noah's time. It, mm-hmm. it literally would have been what you, so I would imagine true. it would be what you could picture as being hell on earth mm. with all but Noah. Mm-hmm. Right, because if there's no redemptive quality and wickedness throughout, I mean that would be literally the the image of of hell on earth. So 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 when we spell that out, then if wickedness is about our own evil intent, and we and to me the worst evil is it's all about me, because everything that happens then is all about my gain, not your gain. And so I'm going to do whatever I want for my pleasure, for my desires. And oftentimes I, that's going to oppress someone, that's going to harm someone. When we talk in terms of uh, sexuality, rape, um, all of that, all of the kind of stuff that comes with um, that form of oppression, you know, the Sound of Freedom is a movie that came out recently. And one of the things I learned from it is that the United States is one of the top two consumers of um, the sex trade. Mm-hmm. One of the top two consumers. And that just blows my mind. Uh, our eyes are hidden from it. Go see that movie or go on YouTube and, and watch some of the interviews with um, the actor that pray, played um, Tim, and I don't remember what Tim's name was, the FBI agent that went down into... Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, Jim Caviezel, did he play Jim that one? Jim Caviezel, yeah. yeah. And so you, you begin to understand that there, there is that underlying evil that exists, our own evil desires, and that's just one area. We're not talking greed. We're not talking pride. They, they have their own evils and God knows it. Nothing's hidden from God's sight. And so when that evil reaches a fevered pitch, God does something about it. And he did it with the Israelites. We see that when we get to the book of Judges. Um, there's The Israelites would constantly, after they're in the promised land, would constantly wax and wane with God. 
And when they waned with God, God would let the other uh, communities or nations around them oppress them. And then they would cry out to God. God would raise up a deliverer who would organize and uh, fight back. And they would have rest in the land while that judge lived. And then they would wane again. And so when they wanted a king, they got a king. But after the third king, King Solomon, waned with God and started putting altars of other gods in Israel. God said, that's it. And the uh, kingdom was split in two. And there were evil kings in the north all the time. And then there were, I think it was 50-50 in the south in Judah. And then they had 70 years of captivity. Why? Because they had moved that far from God. Mm -hmm. And so when we move away from God, Regardless of the reason, God gets righteously angry. Mm -hmm. He created us to be in relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And when we're not in relationship with us, that's that's wickedness. When we're not in relationship with him, Mm -hmm. that's wickedness. Wickedness isn't always, you know, slapping somebody on the face or calling them bad names. Wickedness is ignoring God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he hates he hates sin. He won't dwell with sin. He won't mm-hmm. tolerate sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, as well, given all of that, to know also from Scripture that God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Yeah. So, in speaking of righteous anger, I think one quality is God is slow to it, which I think means it's not his automatic go-to for everything. Like, boom, I'm angry. Boom, I'm angry. Boom, I'm angry. He's slow to, he is patient. He's loving. He Mm -hmm. wants people to come to him through Christ. He, that is what he wants, but he will get to that anger at some point. Right. Well, going back to Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, if there's 50 righteous people, so God relented and continued to relent or hold back his righteous anger until, um, Uh, Jesus and the angels or the incarnated Jesus uh, went down to Sodom and there were only four righteous and they got out. And then the rest, (laughs) the rest were, we'll just say eliminated, but that I, I think you're so right. God is a, 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 he has love. He cares for us. He's abounding in a, in that love, but slow to anger and so even with the chastisement of the Israelites, when the kingdom was split in two, that went on another two, three, four hundred years mm-hmm. before the captivity came, which mm-hmm. God had promised uh, nearly at the time of Solomon. Yeah, and how many prophets did God send to warn them and try to draw them back to him? You know, Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and others, he, he tried he tried to get their That's attention. Right. He didn't just strike them down without giving them a chance. Mm-hmm. And I imagine yeah. that there were, well, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that there was some voice of reason before the world got wicked all the time. Mm. Um, I did, although scripture isn't mm-hmm. specific to it. So then, so, yeah. so then when people look at God in the Old Testament, they see him as an angry God, which is so not true. We see the results of people living in sin and living in wickedness with an evil intent of the heart all the time. We see that, but we don't recognize that it took God a long time before he uh, 
dealt got with to it. that point. Yeah. 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 And then we look at Jesus, we say, Oh, but Jesus is loving, he's kind and gracious, but he had righteous anger mm-hmm. too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so are, yeah, what are a couple examples of of that? So in Matthew 18, well, go ahead, Jeremy, and talk about the uh, Pharisees. Yeah, we were we were chatting about this between between episodes, but um, so Jesus became angry at the Pharisees, I think, more than once. But one example I was looking at is in Mark chapter three, and in this this is a Sabbath day, and Jesus is in the synagogue and he heals a man who has a deformed hand. Okay, and the Pharisees are looking for a chance to accuse Jesus of breaking the law because Sabbath is a day of rest. They say you shouldn't be healing people on the Sabbath. Um, And it said at Mark 3, verse 5, it says, And when he, meaning Jesus, had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he Mm -hmm. said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Okay, so Jesus is angry here, very clear in scripture at the hardness of the Pharisees' hearts Mm. and at the way that they're trying to bend and twist God's law to accuse Jesus of breaking it. Mm -hmm. And also in a way that would keep this, this man in a situation where he's, you know, he's disabled and Jesus is saying, he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? He's saying, you know, Jesus is saying, I'm about to restore this man's hand. The Sabbath is a day of rest and wholeness. Does that not fit in with the Sabbath? Mm -hmm. But he was angry at their hardness of heart and the way that they were using God's law to their own advantage, their own power to keep people in oppression and to keep people from following Jesus, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And, And when we look at the church, there are people that are angry within the church that push people away from the church. And I'm not going to say that they're at that pharisaical level, but I'd be careful if I was angry at the church and keeping people from God, uh, keeping people people from God's word. Those who demean the word of God or speak against it, they're they're in this. I think they're moving in that same direction that the Pharisees were in. And then listen to this in um, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, the disciples are talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called, he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, these guys were... Uh, businessmen, they're zealots, they're uh, well, former tax collectors. So some of them had means at one point, but have given everything up. But now they're struggling with who's the greatest in the in in the kingdom of heaven, right? And then you can hear the anger or the righteousness in Jesus's voice. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. This is good. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck 
and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that people cause, things that cause people to sin. Such things must, must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. So, uh, so there's, you know, oftentimes we'll just read it, but there's an underlying anger there that if you cause one of my children, you know, mm-hmm. this is a father, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you cause one of my children to miss me, mm. man, you are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's explicit in, in Mark 10 as well, um, where Jesus is angry at his disciples because they're trying to stop people from bringing their children to Jesus yeah. to be blessed. And, and because they think Jesus is too, he's busy, like keep your children away. And mm-hmm. Mark 10, 14 says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That's NIV, ESV says indignant. New Living Translation says, when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children or belongs to such as these. And once again, the disciples or somebody decided that what they thought was right, not what mm-hmm. Jesus or God thought. And, and we want to end, I think, with uh, Jesus when he comes back again. He's going to cut down everyone who is not aligned with him. Mm-hmm. There isn't any more righteous anger than that. Mm. Yeah. All right. On that note, we will end this podcast. Um, Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We come to you from the First United Methodist Church of Gaylord, Michigan. We're located at 215 South Center Street. We have three services uh, you can join us at. We'd love to have you. We have two on Sunday, traditional at 9 a.m. and a contemporary at 10.45 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. every other uh, every other Wednesday. We'd love to have you join us in person. Um, if you can't, you can still uh, view us through Facebook or YouTube. And um, if you have any questions at all, Google us or call the office, 989-732-5380. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to answer any questions. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I don't know that that means. I have to rethink that. <laughs>